Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Our topic today is the prodigal son, and I am going to present this in a not-so-generic way, and that of looking at this parable, this analogy from Jesus, from the perspective of a parent-child interaction, and the lessons we as parents and the lessons we as children need to learn when we deal with each other. Often the story, and yes, I'm calling this a story because that is exactly what it is, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to give you an example, a parable. And as I have made clear in the past, I see the Bible as either accounts, reality facts, directions, or stories, parables, analogies that Jesus told to help us gain a better understanding of something he was trying to explain because we aren't getting it. But back to the parable, our analogy. So what is the story of the lost son or the prodigal son all about? And what is in it for parents and children alike? And just in case you haven't read this through in a while, we will do that now. And we're going to take a look at Luke 15, 11 through 32. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now on the surface, this story seems pretty straightforward, and we see a dad that evidently loved his son enough that even after the son left home the way he did, the dad still waited for him to come back so that they could hug and make up and live happily ever after. However, that is a very poor translation of the entirety of what we can learn from this parable as parent and child. By the way, if you are not a parent and don't plan on ever becoming one, I still highly recommend you that you listen to the end, since this also relates to how God parents his children, you and I, those who have accepted him as their father. And it may also help us as a son or daughter to better understand how our potential messed up childhood transpired and how you now need to relate to God as your ultimate parent, your heavenly parent your father. And I mention this because many of us who have had bad experiences with our earthly parents often have a very difficult time accepting God and allowing him to have the role 
of a leader, guide, and again, ultimate parent and father. So looking at our passage now again, we first see the drama breaking out in this family with the son, the famed prodigal son, coming up to his dad and saying, hey dad, let's chat, I'm done with you. In fact, I wish you were dead, completely out of my life. And since killing you isn't a very good option, let me have my inheritance now, even though you're not dead yet, and that way I can at least declare you dead in my own mind. So dad, please hand over what is rightly mine so I can move on with my life. Pretty crazy stuff here. Sounds like a really messed up kid. Sounds like we could use all kinds of descriptive words about this lad. Words like, he's stupid, arrogant, selfish, wayward, maybe even a spoiled brat. After all, any kid that would arbitrarily declare his dad dead by asking for something that you only get when someone is dead in reality is a bit off in the head and heart. And if the son had one brain cell in his head, he would have at least waited until his dad truly did die, since that would only continue to increase the value of the inheritance he was already going to receive anyway. But no, he wanted what he wanted, and that was that, because his son decided he no longer needed his dad for anything. This son had evidently figured life out. This son knew all there was to know and could move on with just some money. Yes, money was all he needed to be happy and perfectly satisfied. Yes, that is the reality of how this family drama started out. And while we don't read about anyone's emotions at this point in the story, we know for a fact that this had to have been exceptionally painful for at least the dad. Any parent, mom or dad, would have been extremely saddened and crushed to know their son or daughter hated them that badly, that they wished them dead, gone, out of their life. This would be devastating, and more than likely a tremendous argument would ensue. The argument would likely include insults, name-calling, comparing other siblings perhaps, friends, etc., and would likely include comments on behalf of the parent or parents such as, get out of my sight. You deserve whatever happens to you. I want nothing to do with you. You make me sick. I can't believe you. It would also probably go down the path of the parent saying things like, do you know how much I have done for you and now you just dump me like this? We gave you everything you ever needed. We took care of you, and this is the thanks we get? Yes, it would also very likely be a very heated argument, doors slamming, stomping around, maybe even a few laying on of hands, no pun intended. Now let's look at this in a slightly different direction. What would you say if your neighbor, friend, family member came over and told you this story? And the dad or mom said, this is what transpired today with our son, and this is how we handled it. He asked, and we gave him his inheritance early. Well, I can say at least for me, I'm pretty sure I, for one, would very likely say, at least to myself, wow, those are pathetic parents. How on earth could someone allow their kid to dictate when they would get their inheritance? That's obscene. Those are some weak parents right there. No wonder their kid pulled this audacious stunt. They don't have a backbone and aren't even fit to be parents. Well, I guess that's what the world is coming to. At least I'm not that kind of a parent. Yep, those would likely be my lines. Also, very ashamedly, I would very likely be the dad that would get quite hostile with my son or daughter if the scenario were to roll around my house. I would likely disrespect my son or daughter and criticize them and demand an answer as to why they were treating me in the way they were and all along not accepting anything they would have to say. And very likely, I would conclude by sharing that over my dead body would you get the inheritance because you are out of the will as of right now. Chew on that, son. But does any of that take place in this story? 
Does the dad say one negative word to his son? Does the dad kick him out of the house? Does the dad disrespect his son in any way? No, and not one time. And not only does the dad not disrespect his son, he goes ahead and willingly gives him the inheritance he asked for. The dad said, okay, here's your money. You're free to go. Oh, by the way, son, I still love you, just like I always have. And no matter what, I will never change my mind on that. Goodbye, son. I will always be here for you. What a parent. What an absolutely amazing parent. You see, this dad didn't need to fight with his son. He didn't need to demoralize him in any way. The dad did not need to stoop down to the level of his son. And the dad knew that this was not going to work out. And the dad was not about to become an enabler and only make things that much worse. Notice the dad didn't try to sweet talk his son into staying or changing his mind. And in no way was this a weak dad, a bad parent, or irresponsible on the part of the dad. Now, let me be clear at this point. If your child is not 18, this is not a discussion that is open for debate. At least in the United States, there are laws in place that anyone under the age of 18 is a minor, and they are to submit to the authority of their parents, provided that the parents are not causing any sort of harm to them, as that changes the entire dynamics. But parents, once your son or daughter is 18, they are legal adults and can make their own choices and all of them without your approval. They don't need to ask your permission or ask your advice or, for that matter, continue to have anything to do with you. That is everyone's personal decision. And just as it was your decision as to how you decided to move on with your life when you turned 18, right, wrong, or indifferent. Remember, the right, wrong, or indifferent way you or your children left home will not be solved by you. That must be solved between them and God. As many of you know, the dad in the story is God, and that son is you. You are that son or daughter. You more than likely presented yourself to God just like that prodigal son did to his dad at one point in your life. Perhaps you are still in that spot right now. Yes, you and I went to God at some point and said, quote, give me what's mine. Give me what is owed to me. I want it all and I want it now and I will decide what I do with it, God. I really don't need you, God. I don't need to be under your control. You're up there. I'm down here dealing with this mess. You stay out of my way and I'll stay out of yours until I run out of what I want and then I'll be back to ask for more. And don't say you haven't lived like that because you have or still are. This is unfortunately life in a sin-filled world. This is who we are by nature. We are demanding and expectant. We are often out for ourselves and all too often think we've got it all figured out and only need to call on God for the really, really big stuff. Yes, that's children and parents alike. So we see this son packs up his stuff and off he goes. And not just down the road. Oh no, don't forget the son is repulsed by his dad. And he is so repulsed by his dad, he goes to another country. The son doesn't even want to be in the same land he was born in. He wants a whole new life, a whole new beginning. He wants to completely obliterate everything dad-related from his mind. Doesn't that sound exactly like most of us at some point in our lives? And ask yourself this, did God ever stop you? Think about it. How long have you been or did you run from God in your life? Did everything you could to put him out of your mind. Perhaps you still have him dead on the cross or still decomposing in a tomb 
Or perhaps you have completely abandoned any remote possibility he ever existed. And regardless of where you are in these real-world scenarios, God kept your heart beating, let you live, gave you food, water, clothing. Perhaps he even let you have a family and tons of money and a huge house and a great job. And on top of all that, he might have even let you be crazy smart and good-looking and very talented in so many areas. In fact, you might even be the envy of many who know you. And this takes us to the next section of our passage. We now see that the son has been gone a while and he has blown through this inheritance. The country he decided to live in has an economy that went belly up. The stock market crashed and he is now desperate for anything that will keep him alive. The son is now seeing that everything he demanded and expected and the life he decided was going to treat him well is completely gone. Nothing left and he's literally starving to death. Isn't it interesting that when we are very sick or extremely hungry or have some very urgent need that is affecting our existence, it is often the case that very few things matter in our life. We often really stop caring about all our stuff and even people sometimes. We are focused on only one thing, staying alive. We will begin to do most anything to keep ourselves from dying. In fact, we will often start dishing out apologies to tell everyone we offended and hated in the past how sorry we are. And those same people we vowed we would never have anything to do with ever again, and for any reason, suddenly become once again our best friends. Yes, we cry out, please help me. I regret everything I've done. And this is the case with the prodigal son. He is at the end, nowhere to go, facing a wall of death if he doesn't do something now, and he had to take drastic measures. And the measures he took was to allow himself to come to his senses. And I love that line. It is so good. And we need to come to our senses. But too often we do that when life is a blink away, and sometimes that is too late. But when we do come to our senses before it is too late, we think very differently about life and with new clarity like we have never experienced it before. This son says, I have to go back to my dad. I was wrong. I was so wrong. I'm truly ashamed of my actions and I need to beg my dad to take me back. Not even as a son, as the passage states, but just as a servant. A hired hand is all I want and deserve at this point, and I'm fine with that. I'll do anything just to be back home and to be able to repent. Please, Dad, forgive me. I really do love you, and I'm so sorry. And when this boy came to his senses, he got up and he went. Interesting. He must have been very desperate because he didn't sit around thinking about what options he had left. At once, he got up and he went back to his dad. Now we see that when this child was headed home, the dad saw his son a long way off, way down the road, a little figure, scrawny figure lurching down the road. And the dad said, look, my son, he's coming back. Isn't that awesome? And how did that dad know his son was coming back? Because the dad was waiting for him. And how long was the dad waiting for his son to return? The whole time. This dad never gave up on his son. His love for his son was permanent, never wavered. And that dad never forgot about his son. And the dad didn't hold any animosity against his son either. The dad didn't run around town either, telling everyone what a loser son he had. No, that dad stayed right where he was, waiting for that boy to come back. That dad was waiting for a brand new relationship that would never end. 
We then see that this dad was so happy. He, the dad, got up and ran to that boy. Filthy as he was from working with pigs, skinny from starvation, and probably caked with dirt, this dad ran up to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And this kid that blew the inheritance on wild living and prostitutes, yes, they had those in biblical times too. And I will add that if you are into living life completely on your own terms and living wildly and engaging with prostitutes, It is safe to say this kid was pretty beat up mentally, physically, and spiritually. This kid was a walking half-dead wreck. And this dad loved his son so much that he dared put his lips on his face and kiss him. And not only that, but embraced him. This dad embraced and kissed the most disgusting, most despicable human. That's some intense love. And that is a parent. That is a father who is only interested in one thing, a relationship, here forward, and not looking back to the past. This is a spectacular example of true forgiveness and true repentance. This is a story of who God is in the life of everyone who comes to him and asks for forgiveness. This is a spectacular example of who we need to be as parents with our children. To be clear, this is not about your child coming home from carousing around in wild living and you all just hug and make up. There has to be a serious change in the person that is returning. And that change has to be very recognizable. And that goes for parent to child and child to parent. This is often not a one-sided deal at all in our lives. Often both children and parents play a role in the misery and failures in our relationships. This is a life lesson of true love, true forgiveness, true repentance. This is a lesson to parents that you are called to love your children no matter what they do. This is a lesson to children that we are called to love our parents no matter what they do. Again, let me be very clear. If we are being abused, that does not mean we continue to be abused under any circumstance and we are to leave that situation. But that does not negate the fact that we are to forgive and love each other and just as Christ loved and loves us through all of the hideous and perverse times in our lives. Don't forget, nowhere in Scripture does God say you need to be face-to-face with someone to love them. Keep in mind that love begins in the heart. It begins with our attitude, and love starts on the inside. And this is precisely how God can easily tell us to love everyone. It is obvious we can't be around everyone all the time, but we can still deeply love them. And that is exactly what we are called to do through thick and thin. Don't forget, God loved you and loves you so much that he died for whatever you have done. Yes, he ran and embraced death for you. He ran to death to make sure you could come home and be accepted in perfect love, God's love. Will this work well here on earth? Will we be able to get all of our messed up relationships back in order if we just start going back home and everyone will just start running to us and life will be as it should have been all along and love will just be paramount? Sadly, likely not. And that is because we are still living in a rotten, sin-filled world and we too are still promoting all the trappings of our sinful life. But in the same way, we are not to give up working on our relationships with one another. We are not to give up on loving each other, even under the circumstances of someone being our enemy. Again, God called us to love through thick and thin, forgiving 70 times 7, and loving just as Christ is loving us right now in our very messed up place. Let's pray. 
Lord and Father, we thank you for your great, unchanging, and perfect love. Thank you for your love that has no condition whatsoever. Thank you for running to us, taking the death penalty for us, even in the face of our continuing to wallow in sin. Guide us, we ask, Father, that we would seek your strength and your guidance and learn to love each other just as you loved us and even under the most difficult circumstances. And we now ask all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior.